you are an entrepreneur, a professional, a speaker, or a coach, and although you've come a long way, it's time for you to take it to the next level. We've got you. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. We'll help you use authority and influencer marketing to build your business stronger and faster by publishing a book. You'll hear from guests that are thought leaders in sales, marketing, networking, communication, social media, promotion, and business leadership. Let's do it. This is the Author to Authority Podcast. And now your host, the extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder. Welcome to the Author to Authority podcast. And today we are going to be talking about creating demand for your products. And who does not want to know about that? I don't know about you, but every entrepreneur I know, they're like, somebody wants my products? Big eyes open. So I'm really happy for the conversation with Carly today. Now, Carly started in marketing over 20 years ago, first in the business to consumer and then in business to business. She's the author of the upcoming book, Startup to Scale Up, and CEO of the content marketing agency, RevSpark. And she's on a mission to grow businesses with creative conversion content that levels up eternal teams and drives demand. Welcome to the show, Carly. Thanks so much, Kim. I'm really excited to be here. So Carly, since this is your first time on the show, I would love for you to take about five to seven minutes and just share your story with us. How did you go, you know, from just starting out in marketing 20 years ago now to being the CEO of such an amazing agency? Yeah, yeah. So I might have to go a little bit further back because we're going to talk about it a little bit later. I've always wanted to create stories, visual stories made up of amazing graphics and a compelling writing that work together that to create wonderful experience for the reader. And even at age three, I was reading books, but I couldn't read the actual words. I was looking at the pictures. And so I would actually dictate to my mom these stories that I wanted her to write on my drawings and have her staple them to make little books and then have her read read these stories back to me. So creating stories has always been a, a huge mission of mine in life. And I actually started designing websites in about 2001 to basically wow. take a business online. And this was way back in the day. So I was using Microsoft front page and, and things like that. Uh, HTML tables. They were horrible websites and I, I hope they never see the light of day. Either. <laughs> Yeah. So uh, anyway, that's what I started in. Um, I do, don't have a degree in marketing. I didn't even know what marketing was. All I knew was that I wanted to doing all of these things uh, across the board for marketing without realizing it was marketing. I ended up uh, working with a number of companies in a freelance capacity, and then eventually I moved into in-house to running uh, marketing for companies. So it was an evolution over many years. And uh, when I finally did get a marketing title, it was a little bit surprising to me because I never really thought of what I was doing as marketing. It's more positioning and, and selling and making compelling. But yes, it falls under the moniker marketing. So I ended up in B2C first. I founded a website and it became pretty well known in its in its niche in DIY and lifestyle and grew that to over 120,000 page views a month and got sponsors and monetized it. And from there, worked in-house in companies to run their marketing, switched over to B2B in 2014, and uh, really started to level up 
my marketing skill set and also got into sales enablement about six, seven years ago. And my specialty really is taking companies from ground zero, uh, getting them off the ground, creating that foundation for scale, and then figuring out what they need at the right time to grow them to get them to the next level. Because entrepreneurship, as we all know, is kind of a stair step, right? You kind of uh, exist at a certain level and now you need to grow. It's it's a big hurdle. You get up to the next step. And then again, you're, you're sort of coasting for a little bit. So that's always been my approach in devising solutions for companies. And that's been the trajectory I've been on up until today. And I branched out on my own about a year and a half ago, uh, founded, uh, founded the company. And uh, it is now RevSpark, R-E-V-V-S-P-A-R-K, because we rev up your revenue through compelling visuals and copywriting. Hmm, love it. Uh, I was very much like you. You know, I was an early reader, love stories. Uh, I remember my dad telling me when I was really little, um, I always loved music too. So when I was really little, when the commercials would come on, I'd get very upset if anybody talked through my commercials, because most of them back then in the 70s had some sort of you know, jingle or song or story to them. So I wouldn't watch television shows. I would watch commercials. The commercials. Yeah, yeah, me too. I would, uh, we would record my, my favorite cartoons and I always wanted to keep the commercials in there. And I still have those recordings to, to this day and sometimes replay them and, and watch like the old McDonald's jingle when they were recite the whole menu in a song and you can, you know, win $10,000 or something like that. I'll still watch that. And I was like, yeah, I love that thing. <laughs> You know, it's it's funny. I I still remember some of the songs to commercials that I learned when I was little. I can yeah. sing them to you. Yeah, I, I can sing them to you because they are so they? ingrained in my head that I will never forget them. Yeah, but it, and it's the power of advertising, right? Because it's not only the what you're hearing, but it's also the you can likely uh, remember all of the visuals that went along with it and yeah. the, the way it made you feel and how it made you want whatever that was. <laughs> what was really funny is I, I didn't like baloney as a kid, but I knew the Oscar Mayer baloney song. <laughs> yeah, baloney is a, a kind of a questionable invention, I think. <laughs> but it was the song. It just the song captured me. <laughs> yeah, and, and that's what it is about about stories. They, they capture you and they remain with you. I, I mean, it's a it's a very sort of primordial thing. Uh, we human beings have related to each other through stories passed down through generations Um literally since the dawn of time. So it's very compelling. That is awesome, Carly. I love your story. Let's shift gears here because I know you've come prepared with a lot of great information for us on how to create demand for your products. So I'm going to let you loose for a bit. Uh, and then at the end, I'll we'll talk about it and I'll ask you a few questions. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So basically, a, a lot of what we do is, is demand generation. We um, create demand in the market. And there's always going to be two types of buyers out there, ones who are already in market who are in search of your solution, that's the low hanging fruit, and those that don't yet know that they have a problem. Um, and marketing sometimes splits groups out in three people and say problem aware, solution aware, problem unaware, solution, un et cetera. But we don't need to get that technical. Really, you're just looking for the people who are uh, in market for your solution yes. and those that need a bit of education to educate them as to what their problem is and what the best solution is 
and position your solution as really the best in that group. So when we're talking about being an authority in your space, which is really what any author wants, even prior to writing that book, you want to have a foundation of authority. What is required in this day and age is showing up where your potential audience is. And by showing up, I mean by posting on so likely social media, you need to pick at one channel to focus on. I always recommend in the beginning, focus on one channel that you know that you can put your undivided attention into. And yes, there's all these other channels. And yes, there's TikTok and Snapchat and, and Twitter and this and that. But if it's not your main channel, don't be distracted by the shiny object right now. Really focus on one channel to really create authority on. For the other channels, for your audience, let's say, for instance, your audience hangs out on Facebook and your audience hangs out on, on TikTok, for instance. What you'll want to do is at least on TikTok, make sure that you grab your username ahead of time so that you're just prepping yourself for later when you have enough capacity. But right now, make sure that you have fully filled out your, your Facebook profile, filled out your page, make sure that you have the right type of profile that you are um, applying to be a business, for instance, and make sure all the information is there. And what I find really helpful when you're starting out is people often think that they know what their audience is searching for, but it's much better to ask somebody, a friend, yes. you know, someone or an acquaintance, anybody who just has maybe 20 minutes and just ask them, hey, can you go to my, my Facebook page, for instance? And tell me what you think of it. What should I change? What looks what looks weird to you? What do you want to see that's not there? And this has to be somebody who's going to be helpful and give you some good suggestions, somebody who's a little bit with it. So, so you know, much as you might love your 70-year-old grandmother, you need to pick somebody who is on Facebook every day. So you really want somebody who kind of knows what they might be looking for. Get them to go to your page and give you a little bit of feedback as to what they want to see that isn't there. Yes. And what they saw that kind of confused them. And then mm -hmm. get rid of the stuff that confuses them and put the stuff that they want to see on, on the page. I always recommend also going to your competitor pages. You should be an authority in the field. You should know what's out there in terms of, I really want to be like this author. This is a goal for me. And pick three. Find, you know, usually people when they're when they're writing the book, they do have Three, at least three aspirational authors that they, they read, they follow. So go to their pages, look at what they're like, look at the kind of organization, the, what they have in the profile photo, um, yeah. just look at what's on the feed and start to set up your profile the same way that they do. I mean, don't rip anything off, but take a cue from what they do, knowing that they have much bigger established audiences. So what they're doing must be working. Structure your profile like that and get a friend acquaintance to kind of poke holes in it so that they can find any, any weak parts in it. Um, then it, you need to create content to go onto your page. And now uh, Facebook uh, Meta Business Studio um, has just recently added in the ability to uh, plan and schedule content, which is really cool. Up until now, we've had to use outside tools to do that. But generating content is something that 
takes a lot of time for people. And it often is the reason why a lot of entrepreneurs don't establish enough authority in their space before they launch their big product. It just takes so much time. And so what we advise is creating one piece of long form content, like a video, like a podcast episode, something where you are ideally on camera and you're, you're talking, if you feel comfortable with that. Maybe it's a Facebook Live, just something long form. And then use that to split it up into pieces of content that you can then drip out onto your Facebook and Instagram because it's through Meta Business Studio. It'll go onto both platforms if you want. You can pepper your content leading up to your launch. And really, that is the goal. Create a one long piece so that you only do it like once. <laughs> and then you can create 30 days of content from that. And what is really important in that is making sure that you have a process for this so that you can do it over and over again and again, and that you can give it to somebody else to do all of the cutting work and all of the transcription and all of the getting everything ready and queuing it up and that. You don't want to be doing that stuff on a permanent basis. You probably want to do it once to understand how to do it so that you can direct other people and then you hand it off. So our process is really that three kind of three levels one is creating that source content mm -hmm. two is utilizing technology to uh, split it up we recommend various tech like banner bear uh, clip scribe okoya writer chat gpt a lot of these these uh, ai copywriting generating tools and recently ad creative that ai mm -hmm. is kind of a cool one it's ai driven uh, creative that is actually creates the images, the graphics for you. Um, so we use a lot of hacks to create the content from that source piece. And then the third step is your content repurposing SOP. And that is the step-by-step -step for cutting up that piece of long content into your pieces. And those are the three main elements to successfully becoming an authority. And you become an authority through frequency, repetition and getting your message out there over and over. And the only way you can do that is with a lot of content, but you can do it with just one long video cut up into pieces. And then you also can post the whole long video too. And so to help people with this, we've actually created a step-by-step -step for that. It's called Become a Content Machine, the conversion content system. And we're actually giving it as a download for everybody who listens to this podcast. So if you go to revspark.com forward slash author, you'll find it there and you can download it and you can just follow the instructions and you can create your own 30 day pieces of content from a single longer video. Wow. There is so much to unpack in what you just said, but I want to go back to the beginning because you talked about just being on one social media. I actually made the decision uh, later last year that I was just going to focus on one because I could not do them all on my own. I was getting frustrated because I wasn't getting any consistency, which leads to number two. And if you've been listening to the podcast, you already know this, but my word for 2023 is consistency. So for me, where I chose was LinkedIn. That's where I felt like I really should place my focus. And so I was, I've been doing pretty good. Like I made a commitment to, to post every day. I'm now up to posting twice a day, 
one long form article a week. Uh, I make a video out of, I do a poll on, you know, I do a, like an infographic. So I take it and I break it down. Obviously I've got the podcast. So the podcast is always being promoted on LinkedIn. And if you're listening to this, I haven't mentioned this in a while, but right now we are actually recording these episodes on LinkedIn live. So if you want to see the episodes a couple of months before everybody else does, Friend request me on LinkedIn. I'm very easy to find. Word Ninja Kim. And if you friend request me, I will accept you. And, you know, you can then participate in, in these lives. And uh, just another way of getting out consistent content on the LinkedIn platform. So I'd love to hear your thoughts. You talked about Facebook, but I'd love to hear some thoughts on LinkedIn since that's where I'm kind of focusing in on right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, for anyone out there who's listening, who isn't following Kim, you really should because she provides so many great tips and tricks um, about becoming that authority in your space. And so you really really hit her up on LinkedIn, uh, follow her and and make sure you are up and receiving her posts on that. So tips and tricks for LinkedIn. LinkedIn is an interesting beast. Recently, based on algorithm changes, we have kind of a list of, of things that we do when we're, uh, we, we also ghostwrite for CEOs and authorities who want to get their stuff out on LinkedIn more. And we find that interaction as always on LinkedIn is, is really, really key. And we find that there's actually a window of interaction where uh, the algorithm is going to boost your posts more than if you interact later. So one key is that uh, prior to posting or when your post goes live is to be be there about 10 minutes before and make sure that you are liking other people's posts in your feed. And by liking, I don't mean just like thumbs upping. Apparently, the algorithm actually weights the other reactions higher than just a thumbs up. So choose a different reaction than just a thumbs up and leave a helpful comment, not just great post, but something that actually is a little bit deeper or ideally that is a question that the person has to answer. And that interaction will help boost your comment on their post and also get people who are reading the comments to come over to your posts and check you out and give you a follow. So I find that that 10 minutes before and then the window 10 minutes after is a really good time to just up your activity level on LinkedIn. Mm -hmm. And you always wanna have your list of people that are authorities in your space that have a large reach that you want to be interacting with. So having a list and, and having their their profiles saved, there are apps that can do it, you can do it manually, and just going to those profiles during that 20 minute window. Interacting is key, as well as not putting a link in your post. Posts with external links are always downgraded in the algorithm. And so it's best to put it as a comment on your post, but not within the first hour. If you do that, again, you get a ding from the algorithm because people have been doing that to get an outside link in there. So you do need to wait at least one hour before adding a comment on your own post. And a lot of people are now doing the commenting on my own post thing, not just to add a link, but just to add more clarification. And that also boosts it up in the algorithm every single time you're commenting once you're past that one hour window. Hmm, now, the first part I knew about, I study LinkedIn, but that second part I did not know about. So that's that's pretty cool. So now I've got a new little thing to add into my LinkedIn strategy 
Angie. Thank you so much, Carly. Yeah, absolutely. Just, I, I mean, we've tested it and we see just better performance when you wait at least an hour before adding your link in there. Um, I mean, if people go to it and they, they need a link, they will comment and ask and then you respond and that's fine. But yeah, don't, don't give the farm away all at once. <laughs> I wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, the long form content. Um, obviously, I mean, I've written well, at least 150 books, participated in over two to 300. So writing's not an issue for me. But I would love just to hear your thoughts on, you know, creating that long form content, because sometimes people will hear this and they go, but I don't know what to write about. Do you have any suggestions on, you know, maybe ways that they could generate ideas, you know, so that they can, I like to create a content calendar myself just so I have an idea. I've already got 52 articles mapped out for 2023. I've got 12 of them written. So, you know, maybe talk a little bit about that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you are way ahead of the game already. That's that's amazing that you have that. But yeah, for a lot of people, it can be hard knowing what do I write about? And so just the idea of just getting prompts is is really key. And uh, right now we have OpenAI and ChatGPT, which just came out and people are just all over it. And what you can do is you can just feed that question in there. Can you give me 50 writing prompts for on becoming an authority using a book? or something like that, you know, whatever the prompt is. I also find that with these AI generators, it's you have to feed them the right prompt. So sometimes it's a good idea to say, hey, I've generated 10 topics for long form content on LinkedIn. Can you generate 50 more on becoming an authority using a book, whatever it is. So you give it an example and then give it the prompt and the output tends to be a lot better. So that's a great place that you can get generated ideas. Uh, and there are people who uh, sell basically content calendars that has a prompt for every day of the year. I find that's probably a little bit of overkill for uh, people who are just running running their own business. But in general, content really needs to follow the kind of structure where you're, a person is coming into your world. They need to be educated on what you provide. They need to understand what the competition is out there. They need to understand the benefits of solving their problem and the repercussions if they don't solve their problem. And then whatever other objections they might have need to be knocked down, whether it's price or timing or whatever it is. So content that addresses each of those steps and stages that a person mentally would go through as they're coming into your world and, and looking at your products and services. That's really key. And so basically answering each of those questions in long form and giving as much detail as possible is going to be really important to your content strategy. Yeah, I agree. And you had talked earlier about in terms of the profile is having someone check it out and give you suggestions. So one of the things that I had done in creating my content calendar, because I've got quite a few people now on LinkedIn. So I went to LinkedIn and I just asked everybody, what did they want to learn about in 2023? And I got about 10 responses, which I actually are now going to write articles on over the course of 2023. So, you know, that's another thing too, is just ask, ask your audience, what do they want to know? It's, <laughs> it's amazing. People love to help. And when you put those kind of posts out, people will give you their opinion for free. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And you can go the whole hog and do the ask methodology by Ryan Levesque. And you can really just make sure that you are getting feedback from your audience. You can poll them, you can survey them, or you can even do a deep dive and go back through last year's, all the content that you put out. What were the questions that people had? What were the yes. comments that they put on it? Because sometimes there can be gold in those questions and comments mm -hmm. that you can bring back into your content strategy to make each question a blog post on its own. So something I actually interesting I do with my book reviews is I look for my three-star book reviews because what I have found is three-star book reviews usually means your book's pretty good, but there's something that they just don't like about it. Yeah, I love that. I love that because the haters often provide the most help because really they they hated it enough to go in and write something about it to spend their precious time telling you why they hated it or what they have wrong with it and then they didn't put a one star or zero stars they're in the middle and so that actually gives you the roadmap to what can i make better about this product i love that that's so smart i found most of the three star ones weren't haters they were the kind of ones like it's good, but <laughs> usually the one and two stars were the haters. And usually, and I usually found with most of the haters that they, they really like, I'll give you an example. I used to write books on network marketing. Okay. All of my books were titled network marketing, MLM, like all of direct sales, all of those terms that people in the industry use. I used to get one star reviews saying, I didn't know this book was about network marketing. The book is titled Network Marketing. <laughs> but you know what I found too, and, and this is just something that maybe people need to be aware of, is sometimes, you know, when it comes to reviews or things like that, sometimes your competition will leave you bad reviews mm -hmm. because they, you know, to me, that's not ethical. I never do it, but I have seen it done where, you know, and you can usually tell by the way they word things that, you know, this isn't a real review, but sometimes that's out there. And I think that's just something to be aware of, you know, when you're getting into that authority space is that there are times when people are going to be jealous and there are times that comments on what you write that you think, where the heck did that come from? Right. But I think that's just important to know that it happens. You know, what I found the best way to deal with it is I just don't, yeah. I don't respond. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, putting yourself out there, you're always, you're, you're going to attract attention and with attention, there will always be some negative attention. And really I found the best way to deal with that is to let go, let go of yeah. the need to be liked, let go of the need to get the haters that come over onto your side and really see your point of view and get it. You don't have time for that. <laughs> right. Yeah. Speak to the people who love you. Speak to the people who who want to support you and want you to get better. And those are those are the three star reviews. And it, with books, it's a little bit different than with uh, software or services, which we work with a lot with. Because if someone goes online and gives your software or, or service a, a one star review, they cared enough to complain. And so there's there's some really good nuggets in there on how to improve your software or service. Books a little bit different because you often get people saying things like, I didn't understand that this or this or this. But uh, at least in the software and services, uh, we find a lot of great information in the negative reviews. 
but we're still not trying to win those people over those people or they're already turned off. They're not interested. We now need to move on and do better for the next group. Yeah, I find in that situation, it's best to address those reviews. You know, if if there's an apology needed, you apologize, you know, you you try to make it better if you can, but you also recognize that most of those people aren't coming back. But what I found was, you know, when I check out reviews on those kinds of things, if I see the company responding and I see them responding, you know, where they're going to try and fix it or they try to do something for the person, then I'm more than more than likely to go with the company. But if I go check reviews and there's a bunch of one star reviews, there's no reply, there's no response. I'm kind of like, hmm, do I really want to work with this company? <laughs> yeah, yeah, a hundred percent, right? You 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 do need to deal with the negative reviews that are that deserve a response, but some people just want to spew negativity and are just angry yes. people, and so you do have to kind of weed those out uh, okay. because they don't deserve your time and they will suck your energy and oh, life yes. force from you if you let them. <laughs> Most definitely. So Carly, do you have, as we wrap up here, because you already talked about your free offer, um, do you have one last piece of advice before we close down for today? Don't be overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. The path to becoming an authority needs to be done with the long view. You're in it for the marathon, not for the sprint. Uh, You are going to be running a hurdle race, but it is a marathon. So if you can't create 30 days of content from a single piece this week or next week, it's not something to beat yourself up about. It's something to just drip, drip, drip on, do what you can to get up to the level of scale. And the only way you will get to scale is creating a process, a set process that you stick to over time. So don't be overwhelmed today because every journey starts with that first step. Thank you so much, Carly. This has been Kim and Carly on the Author to Authority podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And can I ask a favor of you? If you've been listening to this today and you've enjoyed it, can you share it out? Come on LinkedIn, find me, tag me, post about the show. Sometimes it's, I love interviewing the guests, but sometimes it's a little lonely when you're podcasting because you're, you're never sure if what you're doing is having an impact. So if you like the show, would you come and tell me just once? I'd love to hear from you. (laughs) Anyway, thank you so much for listening and we'll see you on the very next episode. Bye now. You've been listening to the Author to Authority Podcast. The extraordinary word ninja, Kim Thompson Pinder, has helped over 200 entrepreneurs, professionals, speakers, and coaches write and publish their books that have become incredible marketing tools for their business. And many of those have gone on to become Amazon best-selling authors and have used their books to land high-level clients and get on big stages. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. And we'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit the website at www.author2authoritypodcast.com. See you next time.